Hey, listeners, this is your host, Rob Flack O'Hara. If you're looking for a way to support my podcast, here are three quick things you can do. Number one, visit iTunes and review the show. More reviews help get the word out. Number two, visit patreon.com forward slash Rob O'Hara and support my shows. A dollar a month helps a little, and five bucks a month helps a whole lot more and gets you some neat things in return. Number three, tell a friend about the show by sharing links to your favorite episodes via social media. As always, thanks for listening and supporting my podcasts. And now, on with the show. Sprite Castle. Sprite Castle. Sprite Castle. With Rob O'Hara. Sprite Castle. Hello and welcome to Sprite Castle, the show in which we play, discuss, and review Commodore 64 games. My name is Rob Flack O'Hara, and on this episode of Sprite Castle, we will be discussing Skate or Die. Who is the famous skater that appears on the cover of this game? Listen to this episode to find out the answer to this trivia question. Before we get started with this episode's game, let's check the Daily Sun for this week's Paperboy Headlines. First of all, I have two shout-outs I want to give. The first one is to William Culver, a.k.a. Willie. Willie is a longtime podcaster in the retro scene. Uh, you may know him from his 5200 Atari podcasts. Uh, he does, um, gosh, he does a lot of different podcasts. Uh, right now he's doing Toy Tomb, which is a podcast about vintage toys that's on the Throwback Network. William, a.k.a. Willie, as I like to call him, came across some Commodore 64 games and sent me a message. Now, Willie has been trying to send me free stuff forever. <laughs> About once a month, Willie has sent me uh, pictures of boxes of old PC software. Some of it was CD stuff. He had a box of floppies one time. Uh, a very generous guy. Everybody that knows him and listens to his shows knows uh, how generous Willie is. And Willie finally, so I've been saying, no, 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 just because I have so much stuff here at the house and, and I don't want to take stuff if I'm not going to be able to, uh, give it a good home or be able to go through it. But Willie, he finally found my soft spot. He came up with, um, a few Commodore 64 games. One was uh three in one British snooker, which is a Mastertronic game, uh, and a couple of loose discettes, uh, PGA tour golf and 688 attack sub, both from electronic arts. And Willie asked me if I would like those. And finally, I broke down and said, okay, Willie, you got me. <laughs> uh, and so uh, Willie did send those to me. I'm very grateful. Thank you very much. Uh, I've already uh, tried out the discs. Everything works. And so who knows? Those might be uh, games that appear later uh, on Sprite Castle. I also want to give a shout out to uh, Sarah Burroughs. If you don't know Sarah, and I don't personally know Sarah, but Sarah is one of the main driving forces behind Commodore is Awesome, the website, the Facebook page. Uh, it's one of my main sources for Commodore news. When I talk about game releases and things like that on this show, there's a pretty good chance it came from Commodore is Awesome. Uh, and Sarah has uh, taken a little bit of a leave of absence from the internet. And uh, she had some issues, uh, but she is back. And you can tell if you check that website or if you're on the Facebook page, you'll know because there has been a flood of Commodore news headlines, things like that. Uh, that is a great website, great place to get Commodore news. Uh, it's a place where I get a lot of my information. And uh, it's good to see her back online. So welcome back, Sarah. 
a uh, few headlines that I saw this week. One is there's a new version of Yape out, which is uh, normally I try to stick to Commodore 64 things, but it is a Commodore Plus 4 emulator for Windows. Uh, there's also been a new release of Pixin. It is up to version 0.7.0.10. Pixin <laughs> is a uh, Windows PC graphics tool that you can uh, draw and uh, design Commodore 64 graphics like bitmaps or anything like that uh, on your PC and then save them in a Commodore compatible format. So if uh, uh, it's kind of fun just to play around. I always, when we were kids, remember, like I would draw with the koala pad, but um, later on I just used the koala pad that that you had to, uh, or the koala pad software, but you use a joystick and I could never draw anything good. So it's kind of fun to be able to to go in with a mouse and and with today's hardware and draw Commodore 64 artwork. So um, uh, yeah, if you have a use for that, Pixen, P-I-X-C-E-N is out. Uh, I saw a new release of V, I don't know how you'd say this, V-Car, V-Care, I guess V-Care, it's C-H-A-R for character, V-Care 64, there's an update of that out, it is a Commodore tool for creating character sets, that was a lot of, uh, uh, you saw a lot of that in in, um, demos and things like that, Um, you know, custom character sets, and so if you have the uh, gumption to go in and create your own, or you want to edit your own character set or whatever, then you might want to go check out uh, VCar64. Um, I saw an announcement. Actually, I saw this on uh, Commodore's Awesome's website that there is a Bunker Party 2016 planned for September 9th through September 11th, and that is in Bochum, Germany. Hello, all my German listeners out there. I'm sorry for butchering your town's name. Uh, But it is a big demo party. There's going to be graphics, competitions, games. And listen, somebody out there that's attending this has got to come up with a Sprite Castle demo. There's no Sprite Castle demo out there yet. I need a demo that I can put on the website and, uh, uh, you know, and and advertise the podcast. So somebody that's going to um, uh, Bunker Party, that's your that's your quest right there. Has <laughs> come up with a Sprite Castle demo. I will be <laughs> sitting on the edge of my chair waiting for someone to do that for me. Uh, the PS Vita this week received a hacked firmware. They Someone hacked uh, firmware 360, which is the current firmware, uh, with a tool. It's called Henkaku, I think. Um, and normally, you would think, why am I talking about the PS Vita on Sprite Castle? But there's a great Commodore port of uh, Vice, the Commodore 64 emulator, for the PSP. So if you have a PS Vita, a lot of people just kept their PSP like I did <laughs> once uh, they were jailbroken. But if you have a PS Vita, and you are doing this jailbreak uh, or the new cracked firmware, uh, be sure to go get PSP Vice and see how that runs on there and let us know. if that, I mean, that is... Uh, I, I'd be curious to know, uh, how do you do Commodore gaming on the go? I mean, obviously, we have laptops and things like that, but do you have... Do you actually play Commodore games on your phone? Do you still have... Um, you know, gosh, I, 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 uh, I think my first portable Commodore gaming was on a... Um, GP32, remember the Game Park 32? That was a really cool system. Uh, so if you do gaming, mobile, Commodore gaming, uh, send me an email. I want to hear uh, how you're doing that. There were uh, several new games released over the last couple of weeks. We have Maze of the Mummy, Shotgun, Fort Django. Uh, and also, this was big news this week. Uh, 
Akalabeth. Akalabeth. I never know how to say that. Uh, that is the original adventure game that was written by Lord British that eventually was kind of, I mean, it was definitely the predecessor of the Ultima series, and that has been ported to the Commodore 64. Now, good news is they are releasing it on actual floppy disks. Yay! Bad news, there's only 50 copies, and they were claimed within hours, I think, of the announcement. Boo! (laughs) So no copy of it for me. But I think people are going to distribute uh, the D64 or uh, an image that you can play in emulators uh, or with a 1541 Ultimate or any any kind of uh, a disc system like that. So I'm looking forward just to checking that out. It's definitely a vintage game uh, and, and a, a classic. So uh, if you've never played that game on the old Apple uh, or through an emulator or whatever, then Commodore 64 fans will uh, be able to enjoy this. So that's pretty cool. Now let's jump forward to this week's King of the Castle. Now, on the last episode of of uh, Sprite Castle, we reviewed Ghostbusters, and we did things a little bit different, and for the most part, it went pretty good. I, I enjoyed the way that it went this time. I liked having all the winning entries. Instead of just taking the first winning entry, I said anyone who sent it in would be entered for a drawing this week, and the drawing is for two each of the different flavors of Ghostbusters Twinkies that I uh, reviewed on the last episode. So, uh, I, I've uh, done, uh, I have all the names here. I have them all on a spreadsheet. So, and I have a random number generator right here. Let me click on it. It's on a website right here. And so, uh, we are going to pick right now the King of the castle that came from all the winning entries that were submitted. The first king of the castle this week is Chris Peterson. Chris was one of many people who submitted the correct uh, answer (laughs) to last week's song. It was Unchained Melody by the Righteous Brothers, which appeared in the movie Ghost. Um, A lot of people who submitted it said, I never saw Ghost. I mean, it's like two-thirds of the people said, I never saw Ghost, and I never saw Ghost all the way through. So isn't that funny that it was such a popular movie, but there's so many people uh, that never actually saw it. Uh, So congratulations uh, to Chris Peterson. You are the first of two winners for King of the Castle. Now, I said... I would be doing two drawings, and I am going to do a second one right now. And the this list of people that I'm doing a drawing from are all my Patreon supporters. So if you're not uh, supporting me on Patreon, you want to go check that out, go over to patreons, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Rob O'Hara, or you could go to RobOHara.com forward slash Patreon. So... I support dyslexia. (laughs) Either way you want to put it, you will get to the same place. Um, But uh, for all the people that are supporting me, I've put this in a second. Let me adjust the number here on my little random number picker. And now I will pick a winner uh, from all my Patreon supporters for the drawing as well. The second king of the castle for this episode is Mark Alley. (laughs) 
Mark is one of my Patreon supporters, and that's how he won the second drawing. So you can, too. So if you're interested in that, go check that stuff out. Uh, so congratulations to Chris and congratulations to Mark. I will be emailing you shortly to get your mailing information, and you will have some rare Sprite Castle Ghostbusters Twinkies. Why would you want these things? I don't know. I'm going to have to pack them real good. I don't think they're going to go bad. I think they have a half-life of about 12 million years. But uh, So anyway, now I'm going to adjust the King of the Castle contest just a little bit. I liked having the drawing, so we're going to keep doing that. But I can't have it open for two weeks. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to take all submissions for the next 64 hours. After I've released this episode. So after this episode is published, you have 64 hours to send me the name of the song featured in the end of this episode. So if you would like to be the next episode's King of the Castle, all you need to do is correctly identify the secret 8-bit song played during the show's closing credits. The song will not be from the game discussed in the episode, but will relate to the episode's theme in some way. For example, the song from Ghost and Ghostbusters. Once you have identified the secret song, email me the name of that song. Uh, oh, you can you can email it to me. You can send it to me through Facebook, Twitter, uh, or the show's voice mailbox. And all those things are listed in the closing credits. And you have 64 hours from right now to send me your winning entry. Those are this week's headlines brought to you by my local paperboy who just wrecked into my neighbor's flamingo. You realize, of course, this news war. Now that we've covered this week's news, let's discuss this week's snack. Crack, crack, crack the egg into the bowl. Crack, crack, crack the egg into the bowl. Talking snack. So there's no food featured in Skate or Die. It is a skateboarding game. But when I think about not only this era of games, but skateboarding in general, one of my uh, favorite things or places to go to skateboard was what we called the store. <laughs> it was, uh, I, I grew up just a little bit outside of town. Uh, so there was nowhere close enough for me to ride my bike to, to walk to, to skateboard to, except for one convenience store. It was about half a mile from my house. So if we told my parents we were going to the store, they knew what that meant. <laughs> we were going to the convenience store. It was probably eh, two to three miles to get into town. So, so uh, you know, as kids, we never would have gone there. Uh, but my buddies and I that were all into skateboarding before we could drive, we would skateboard up to the store. We would hang out. We would get Dr. Pepper. Um, and Dr. Pepper is like the, the kid's choice drink, I think. Um, and we would get candy. You know, we would take change. But if we went up there during lunch, the only thing they served egg rolls and burritos, just like a, a microwave burrito. And I got hooked on those things. I would go up there and we would skateboard for about an hour and then we would go inside. This is the same store I've probably talked about on You Don't Know Flack, uh, one of my other podcasts about where I would go play arcade games and stuff. Same store. We would go up there, play arcade games, skateboard all in the parking lot. There was a, uh, you know, a, a, um, 
a little concrete area. Well, it was all concrete, but there was a like parking blocks on the side that we could do rail slides on and, and grind our trucks and tear up our skateboards and all that stuff. Um, but you know, if we were going over lunch, that's what we would do. We would take our little money up there and go buy one of those microwave burritos. And so that, um, you know, and they were they were um, not good. I mean, they always kind of had that burnt taste, like they'd been under a heat lamp just a little too long. Um, but I I liked them, you know. And uh, so we uh, uh, I just did a, a Craigslist uh, exchange. I sold some microphones that I had, and uh, I met the guy at a convenience store. And so afterwards, I went inside. And uh, was going to get the kids something to drink and looked around and they had the same setup. They had the heat lamps and they had the burritos and the egg rolls and all that. And I thought, oh, man, this really brings me back. And so I got one of those burritos and it tasted just like I remembered it tasting when I was a teenager. And then my stomach was tore up (laughs) for like two hours. I had stomach cramps and I was just farting in the car. (laughs) So I don't know. I think when I'm getting older, uh, I have more trouble dealing with uh, food like that. But um, but it did remind me. It did take me back to that day. So that is the official uh, talking snack of this episode. And speaking of which, let's get to this episode's game, which is Skate or Die. It was published for the Commodore 64 in 1987 by Electronic Arts. It is a game for one to eight players that uses joystick controls. Uh, let's see anything else that the company released of note. Well, this is electronic arts. Uh, so they have some of the best games for the Commodore library so far on Sprite Castle. We have covered mail order monsters, Archon and one-on-one, which were all electronic arts games. Uh, the programmers that appear on the title screen are Steven Landrum, Michael Kosaka and David Bunch. These three guys are, uh, originally came from Epics, which is very interesting once you see this game and realize how similar it is to the Epic series of games games. Um, and in fact, these three people worked on the game's titles. You'll see Steven's name and definitely David's name, I know, on uh, Summer Games, uh, which was released by Epics. The producer of the game was Don Traeger. He said that he was inspired by the arcade game 720. Uh, and as you know, in the game 720, when the bees are about to attack you and you've run out of time, the game says skate or die, which is probably where this game got its name from. Uh, also, you can't talk about skate or die without talking about the game's music. Uh, and the game's this game is probably almost as well known for its introduction, uh, title screen and music as it is for the actual game itself. The music was written by Rob Hubbard. Rob Hubbard is one of the most prolific and famous, uh, eight bit tune creators. However you want to say that, uh, eight bit musicians, I suppose, uh, for the Commodore. He did the music for master of magic, uh, Commando, International Karate, Sanction. I mean, there's so many Delta, Thanatos. Um, and then he got picked up by Electronic Arts and worked specifically for Electronic Arts from, uh, gosh, I want to say like all through the 90s uh, up until 2002. He did some of the music for 
the uh, documentary From Bedroom to Billions, which came out in 2014. According to Moby Games, he did music for 116 different games. So, uh, And even if you don't know his music from these games, you would recognize his music because it was ripped out of games and used for demos and used for intros, all sorts of things like that. So Rob Hubbard uh, is definitely an excellent musician, uh, not just for the Commodore, but you know, that's, that's definitely where I know him from and his name. Uh, so Rob Hubbard is a, a musical genius just to give you. So I'm going to give you a couple of quick music examples real quick. And I wouldn't normally do this except for as a basis of comparison. Uh, but I'm going to play you just a few seconds of the opening theme as it appears on the Nintendo entertainment system. And now I give you the opening to Skate or Die as played on a Commodore 64 NTSC machine. did I say an NTSC machine? The reason I say that is because an NTS, uh, NTSC machine is faster than a PAL machine. And so if you play this tune on a PAL machine, it is slightly slower. And uh, again, I'm going to play you just the very beginning. This is the, uh, the NTSC version. And this is the way it plays on a PAL Commodore. So as you can see, the PAL version is just shifted down a little bit. It's obviously a little bit slower. There are a lot of people that prefer the PAL version. I personally prefer the US, the NTSC version, probably just because that's the one I grew up hearing. Um, a lot of people say that it's supposed to sound the way as it does on PAL, but this was done by a U.S. company and programmed on U.S. machines. So I think the NTSC way is the way it was originally intended to be heard. But no matter which one you're more familiar with, uh, it is an amazing tune. Um, I, I mean, it, it just blows so many things away from that same era. It's just an amazing song. So, uh, But let's get past the intro and start talking about uh, the game itself. Pop culture references for this game. Well, obviously skateboarding was the rage in the 1980s. We had 720, as I mentioned uh, in arcades, we had uh, skateboard movies. We've had all these things. I talked about a lot of this during the 720 episode. Uh, and this was huge. So not only was skateboarding huge and computer games were huge, but those epics style games, uh, summer games, winter games, California games were also very popular. Um, you know, all 
uh, like Commodore 64 supports two joysticks, but those type of games you can have up to eight players because it pairs you off um, and two people compete over and over, you know. So um, they they were interesting kind of party games when you had your friends over and everybody could play. So, uh, so they were definitely, you know, a popular style of game to own. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, 720, the arcade game, says Skate or, uh, skate or Die, whenever the bees attack, so that that's where this game got its name. And also, a lot of people consider 720 to be a competitor with this game, but um, it, it's more similar in design to California games, really, uh, because California games would be uh, another in the Epic Series style of games where you have multiple events to compete in. So, on the, uh, the box and the manual... Uh, on the box on the front, we have a guy uh, doing a hand plant, which is when you ride up a, a ramp and you balance yourself on one arm. You hold the skateboard up in the air. Uh, the ramp is pink. The logo is yellow. The guy's shirt is yellow. He's wearing aqua and there's purple. So this is a very 80s color scheme that we see here on the cover. Um, inside the manual... It explains each of the events. Uh, if you're familiar with summer games, winter games, those style of games, then you know what you can do here. You can practice one event. You can compete in one event. You can compete in all the events. Uh, there are a couple of two-player uh, mini games where you it's either you against another human component or you against the CPU. So uh, there are four different people that appear in this game that aren't you. Uh, the first is Rodney. And Rodney uh, owns the skate shop that you will start out in. Rodney looks very suspiciously like Rodney Dangerfield. In fact, he looks almost exactly like Rodney Dangerfield, except for he has a mohawk. Um, I read online that his full name is Rodney Recluse. I don't remember seeing that anywhere, but there have been some other uh, skate or die games. So it's possible that, uh, that that information appears in one of the other manuals. Rodney's son is Lester, a.k.a. Bionic Lester. He has green hair, and uh, if you play, like, the downhill or the joust as one player, uh, then Lester will be one of your CPU opponents. Uh, in the pool joust, you can also choose from Poser Pete to compete against and Aggro Eddie. Uh, and so in levels of difficulty, Poser Pete is the easiest, Aggro Eddie is the middle, and Bionic Lester is the most difficult competitor. Uh, the manual contains a list of words and definitions. I believe 720 did this as well. It's a combination. Some of them are words like aerial, which it explains what a aerial move is, backside air, uh, coping, which is the rounded part at the top of a ramp. Um, but then it has some different slang, like it says bail, when you abort your trick and prepare to fail, <laughs> which is silly. Um, it says bio. B-I-O, to skate good or radical. That seems weird. I've never heard anybody say, oh, man, uh, you're so bio. That's weird. Um, you know, there's front, uh, front side air, different things listed. One is Betty's, which is slang for women. I That's not a term that I, I mean, I don't know that it's particularly derogatory. It's just more weird. Like, I never heard of women called Betty's. Maybe that's a a West Coast thing or something like that. Uh, and then the final definition, there's a whole bunch of definitions, but the final one says uh, slam, and the definition just says you figure it out, which if you play this game, you will figure out what slamming is. Um, 
So once you boot the game, you get to that title screen. I've already played the music. You have this uh, big picture of a guy performing a move. He's kind of balancing on a skateboard. Uh, it looks like he's almost coming out of the screen. It says Electronic Arts, Skate or Die. It has uh, Michael's name, Michael uh, Kosaka, Stephen Landrum, David Bunch, Copyright 87, Electronic Arts. Uh, and then once you go past that, you will get to the menu screen. That's when we get to the picture of Rodney. We can move a cursor around with the joystick. Uh, and this is where you will uh, choose if you want to practice, compete, things like that. Now, there's something that's different about this game as compared to summer games, winter games, those type. And that is um, when you leave the skate shop, uh, that it, it basically there is a graphical map. It's a city block and there's different streets and you have to take your skateboarder. Uh, and go to each event, or you can make him go over to uh, the competition or whatever. So there are different streets that lead to the five events, and those are the uh, freestyle half pipe, the high jump half pipe, downhill race, jam, and the pool joust. So again, you take your skateboard and you go to each event. So that doesn't happen in those other uh, epics games. Like in California games, you don't have to go to the skate park or go to the BMX thing. So that's a little bit different. I don't know that it adds that much to the game, but it's an interesting little thing that they added that um, uh, just kind of shows you more of the world that this game takes place in. Um, the uh, way that the controls are done, you get to choose if you're going to skate regular or goofy. You'll see that term a lot. Now, what that means is regular is your perspective as a player, as if you are looking at the monitor. So, uh, when you're, when you're doing that, if you press left, your guy goes left on the monitor. If you press right, uh, your skater goes right. If you do goofy, the controls are reversed, but it's as if you're standing on the skateboard. So if you were the skater and you press right, uh, your skater will turn to his right, no matter which way uh, he's standing. So I always play it in goofy, uh, but you can choose each time. So it's not a configuration that you have to go in and, and you know, down into the menus and find it. It asks you each time you compete. So uh, not a big deal. And you could try it either way. Um, so let's get into the gameplay of the five events. And I'm not going to go into huge detail. Uh, if you want to see these events, go over to the video bonus uh, you can find that on SpriteCastle.com with this episode, and you can see me play the game, and you can see the episodes if you want to see a little bit more about them. But uh, basically, there are five different episodes or five different events. Uh, the first is the freestyle half pipe. This is, as a kid, all I wanted to do is skating on a half pipe, and there are, you know, in California games. You, there's a half pipe event, but I think there are only like three moves. Like there's a kick turn and I think there's a backside air or something and um, uh, maybe a hand plan or something. But in this, there are a lot of moves, not a lot compared to what we're um, used to today in skateboarding games. But at the time you could do rail slides. Um, you could do rock and rolls, which is like a fakie. Um, you could do kick turns, you could do aerials, hand plants. So there's, there's several different moves to choose from. And then, um, when you go up into the air, if you press left or right, you will begin to rotate. Then you have to press the opposite direction to stop rotating and you have to be lined up straight up and down. So when you come back down, you will, 
um, not crash. <laughs> so, uh, it, you know, it's, it's, um, and also if you, you can go off the end of the half pipe, like if you go too far up or down, uh, and when that happens, you, you land and all your clothes like pop off and <laughs> it's really kind of a entertaining little animation. Um, and also on one side, there is a, like a channel that you could drop in on, on, on the ramp and you can't land in the channel. So you have to be sure to, um, adjust where you're coming down either above or below that. So, but that is a fun, uh, there are lots of games, just entire games that aren't as entertaining, uh, as this one little mini game in skate or die. So, so that one's really fun. The second event is half, uh, it's a half pipe high jump. I think it's high jump half pipe actually in the game. Uh, and so this is the one event where you're going to wreck your joystick by slamming it left and right and trying to get enough speed. So basically you have to go up and down the half pipe three times. Each time you're in the half pipe and you're wiggling the joystick back and forth is how you gain speed. And when you get all the way up to the top, uh, as high as you can go, you can press your button and you'll even inch your board just a few inches higher. And the goal of this is to get as high as possible. So uh, there's not a lot to this event. It's it's who can, uh, you know, thrash the joystick back and forth, which now, you know, as an adult, I'm like, oh, joysticks are expensive. <laughs> Why would I want to play this? Um, you know, and it's not terrible. I, I have... Um, Epix 500XJ sticks on my real 64, and so they sit there and click back and forth when you're playing this event, but uh, it's not too bad, but there's just not much to this one. Uh, then we go to the Downhill Race, which is uh, a really fun event. It is you against someone else, uh, or against the clock, I guess, uh, and you race down, you, you follow this path, there's shortcuts, um, there are jumps, there are things that you can go over, there are little shortcuts in between like a fence and different things. So this is one that's pretty fun. You can slide around corners. Um, I mean, at the end, it's just a race to get from the top to the bottom. Uh, and this screen, there are several scrolling, you know, parts of the screen. And as you play it more, you'll start to see, um, different paths that the programmers put into the race, but lots of fun. I really enjoy this one. And even more than this one, I enjoy jam, which is, uh, the other, it's a different course. Uh, it's more like an urban type. Like you're going, uh, there's chain link fences and cars and you go from the top to the bottom. Um, but in this one, you are skating against someone else and you can punch and kick, so, uh, you can also do these little 180 like aerial moves. So you can, you know, basically turn around, kind of think of it like, um, in karate champ when the guy gets over you and then you could flip around and face the other way. So if someone's behind you in this game, you can't punch or kick them. So you do this little, uh, 180 degree jump in the air and face them. But, uh, you can, you can uh, press the button diagonal up towards or down for high, medium or low punches and high, medium or low kicks. Um, you're not going to be, do it's, this isn't like a fighting, <laughs> it's, you, there's not like a bunch of moves. Um, but, uh, it's, it, that's probably that this and um, the freestyle half pipe are probably my favorite two events. But unlike a lot of those Epics games, I'm getting ahead of myself here a little bit, but I like all the events on this. Uh, the last event is the Pool Joust. If you ever saw the movie Thrashin', uh, and Sean and I, we discussed or we reviewed Thrashin' on Throwback Reviews. If you want to hear 
uh, my thoughts on the movie Thrashing. But uh, this is a a pool, and you and the other guy, uh, your opponent, have. Uh, it almost looks like a boat oar, but it's like a joust stick with pads on the end, like you might see on. Um, I think of America Gladiator when I see these, um, but uh, only one person has uh, the the uh, the jousting stick, and so you both drop into the pool. So one person is trying to hit the other. The other person is trying to not be hit. And after you go so many times, then um, the other person it swaps. The other person gets. Uh, the jousting stick and, uh, and yeah, so it's fun. It, it's, um, it's harder with the CPU. The CPU is pretty good. Um, Lester is really hard to beat, but, um, you know, if you're playing with somebody else, I think this, this is uh more fun as a person versus person event, but, uh, versus the, you know, if you're playing against the CPU, but, uh, it's still fun. Every one of these events are fun. Like I said, my, my least favorite is the the high jump one, just because there's not much to it, but all the other four, uh, I really enjoy. So here's some different trivia that I found out about this game. Uh, the first trivia fact, and this is, I didn't find this out. I knew about this, uh, is that Nike has their SB dunk line of shoes. And a few years ago, they released 720 shoes and skate or die shoes. Uh, now these are, I don't own these. I own the 720 ones, uh, but they are blue with a black stripe on them. They're low tops. Uh, then the border around the top and the swoop on the side are both yellow. And then the trim around the tongue and around the top, uh, and around the bottom or the the whole bottom of the shoe actually is all orange. Uh, and then on the, the cover of the game, there's these weird, like, hieroglyph symbols that are on the guy's shirt. Uh, and those appear on the shoe as well. So they're really ugly shoes. <laughs> I mean, they're not a shoe where you would think, Oh, this is awesome. I really want to wear these blue and orange and yellow and black shoes. Um, the, the problem with obtaining these now is that they are no longer being made. So I checked eBay, uh, and there's a used pair in a men's size eight us, uh, for a hundred dollars, there are some up for three hundred dollars. So it's it's hard to find my size of shoe, and even if I found it, I wouldn't pay three hundred dollars for some ugly shoes. <laughs> Although I paid my, a lot of money for the uh, ugly seven twenty one, so maybe I would. Who knows? Um, but uh, yeah, that was kind of an interesting thing. Uh, Skater Die was Electronic Arts' first in-house game. It was so it was the first game that was developed by full-time employees. Uh, it says here that all their previous titles had been done by independent contractors. Now, that being said, it was developed by three people that they just hired from Epic. So, um, <laughs> I guess they are full-time employees if you steal the competition. Um, I read that in 2002, Criterion Games was working on a reboot of this for, uh, the PlayStation 2 and the Xbox. They worked on it for a full year but it was canceled due to issues with electronic art. So that would have been a cool thing uh, to see. But uh, I guess they went back to the Burnout series uh, after that. So uh, to answer the trivia question that I mentioned at the beginning of the show, on the front cover of the game is, uh, I mentioned there's a skater doing a hand plant, and that is Steve Caballero. Now, if you're not familiar with Steve Caballero, uh, he invented the half cab, the full cab. These are all skateboarding moves. Uh, he invented the front side board slide, and he invented a fakie 
360 ollie, which is rotating the board 360 degrees on a full circle without touching it with your hands. Uh, that's, that's an ollie. It's also called a caballerial. Uh, it is the basis of a ton of different skateboarding tricks. So this was like, this guy invented a lot of the building blocks, um, that other skaters would build on in later years. Um, he is considered by a lot of people to be the best skater from the first half of the eighties. He was a member of the bones brigade and he is still active in the sport and in the business. So they, they couldn't have picked a better guy at this time to be on the front of their, uh, of you know, their game. And it's amazing that it doesn't say in big letter, Steve Caballero. I had to actually, I found this out, uh, looking inside the game, on you know the credits and it says the skater on the front is steve caballero and then there's two pictures of a skater on the inside that skater is mark gonzalez he's also known as the gons um if you don't know who mark gonzalez is he was named by Transworld skateboarding magazine as the most influential skateboarder of all time in their december 2011 issue um in 1986, he was with a group of guys, and he was the first guy ever uh, to skate a handrail. So you see all these people the skating rails and stuff like that. He was the first guy to do it. He is credited for being the first guy to skate switch, which is uh, having the your non-normal foot forward. So if you normally skate with your right foot forward, uh, then it would be switching your feet around. And he basically said he didn't know that people did it one way or the other. He just did it both ways. So, <laughs> but he's, uh, the guy that really started that, uh, he skated for vision streetwear and then he created blind skateboards. If you've ever seen that. So again, Mark Gonzalez, huge guy in the skateboarding industry. You don't normally see people of this caliber on the game and not have their names featured prominently. I mean, if you think about like, you know, uh, Dr. J versus bird or Larry, you know, or, uh, Jordan versus bird, those sorts of things. Uh, their names are, are featured prominently in those games. And so the fact that they got Steve Caballero and the Gons to appear on the packaging and not mention them, uh, in big, bold type is, is a little confusing to be honest with you. Uh, let's talk about the reviews this game got, uh, 64 magazine, Gave it 14 out of 15. Zap gave it 92 out of 100. Computer and video games gave it 9 out of 10. Ace gave it 8.8 out of 12. Uh, and then there were Commodore users, 7 out of 10. ASM, the German magazine, 7 out of 10. The All Game Guide, 7 out of 10. This is a well-loved and well-respected game. It got really high marks when it came out, and people still enjoy it today. Uh, it's a really fun game. Like I said, you have... Uh, five different events and at least four of them are really good. And the fifth isn't that bad, you know, so you're getting a lot uh, of bang for your buck with this. Uh, it came out originally, it was originally coded for the Commodore 64, but it was ported to the Amstrad CPC, the Apple two GS DOS, the Nintendo entertainment system and the ZX spectrum. Uh, that's for Carrington. Um, the, uh, on a lot, like on Wikipedia, some of the other sites I found, it said that it was ported to the Atari ST, but I can't find an Atari ST version of this. So I don't know that it was ported to the Atari ST. I found, 
uh, a demo where someone had ported the music over to ST, but I have not found the game on an Atari ST, so I could be wrong. If you know about that, you can email me or something. But uh, but I think that may be a mistake that's, that's listed on one side and then repeated. Um, the official sequel to this game was Ski or Die, which came out in 1990. Oh, you know what I wanted to say was, um, uh, you know, the DOS version of this is garbage, of course. Um, the ZX Spectrum. Uh, but uh, the Apple II GS version looks really good. And, um, uh, you know, like I said, I, I'm never one of these guys that's like, oh, I'm only, you know, I only will play the Commodore or whatever. But the 2GS one looks really good. Like the the ramps are wood color instead of gray like they are on the 64. And there's a lot of detail. So, um, you know, I, there aren't really any 16-bit uh, machine, you know, consoles or computers that had or got ports of this. But the 2GS um, really, you know, with its advanced graphics gives you a good idea of what, what that would have looked like. Um, anyway, there, the official sequel is Ski or Die, which came out in 1990 for the 64 and also for the Amiga DOS and the NES. Um, I'm not going to talk too much about Ski or Die. I don't think it was that popular. Um, and then there are three other Skate or Die games, but none of those are for the Commodore. There's Skate or Die 2, The Search for Double Trouble. That came out in 1990 for the NES. Skate or Die Bad and Rad, 1991 for the Game Boy. And also Skate or Die Tour de Thrash, 1991 for the Game Boy. And none of those games are like Skate or Die that we're talking about. Most of them are side, uh, like platform rolling type games. They're just not, uh, not, not like the, the Skate or Die that we talked about today. Uh, if you want to play this game today, your best bet is the Commodore 64. But... It was released for the Wii Virtual Console, but only uh, in Europe and in Australia, so not for the U.S., but uh, uh, if you have a way to – and I don't even know if it's still – I'm sure it's not still on Virtual Console, so that was your, your chance, but uh, I think there's a way – Maybe if your Wii's jailbroken, I don't know if you can play PAL stuff or whatever. I may try that, but uh, uh, I don't know. Why. I, I love the Commodore version so much, that, uh, uh, I, but I've I never tried it on the Wii. But anyway, yeah, it was uh, Europe and Australia. If you would like to purchase an original of this game, uh, there are loose copies on eBay right now for twelve ninety nine. so that would be disc only. There is one boxed copy right now for sixty four fifty. This is a combination. It's one of those games that overlaps a lot of different things. Uh, not only is it, um, you know, was it a popular game? It's in that popular thin record style booklet. So it's the thin booklet that opens up like a vinyl record, which makes it more collectible. It has, uh, you know, it's about skateboarding that makes it more collectible. And it was a popular game and it's from electronic arts. So all those things, uh, I mean, I can't imagine it was a rare title. Uh, electronic arts was one of the biggest publishers for the Commodore, at least in the U S. So it doesn't seem to me it would have been rare, but it's definitely uh collectible. So anyway, now let's talk a few minutes about my personal memories of this game. All right, time travelers. As you know, if you've listened to the 720 episode of Sprite Castle, if you listen to 
uh, episodes of You Don't Know Flack, you know I'm a child of the 80s. I was into skateboarding. I love the movie Thrashing. I loved uh, the Police Academy, Citizens on Patrol, the one that had the skateboarding scenes in it. Uh, I was all into skateboarding, and I was all into Commodore. So when stuff like this came out, it crossed over, uh, you know, it combined my loves, my hobbies of computer games and skateboarding. So I was a huge fan of this game. Um, I loved the arcade game 720. I loved it so much that I bought the arcade game 720, but the home versions of 720 aren't that good. <laughs> uh, but this game is great. I loved this game. My friends and I played this game. I played this game all the time. Uh, so I, you know, I, I can't even think of like specific memories like, Oh, one time this happened or anything like that. But what I do remember is this was definitely a go-to game. And, and when, uh, you know, when you had those eight bit computer, um, I don't want to call them wars or, or just, you know, whatever, but, but, um, you know, when, when your friends would say, Oh, I have this on the Apple or I have this. Uh, you know, on a PC junior, and then they would come over and you would fire up skate or die. And that opening came up with the music. I mean, th you just can't argue against that. It's just fantastic. It's, it's, um, now we take for granted digitized sounds and, and things like that. But, uh, uh, but back then, you know, it, it would just was mind blowing. And it was so much so that people would, I mean, I remember firing this game up and just letting the song run just so I could hear the song play um, and not even go in and play the game. Like if I was doing something else, I think I even recorded it on cassette tape so I could listen to it, you know, on cassette. So, um, but, but again, just a lot of good memories playing this game, having friends come over and play this game. Uh, definitely a classic in my eyes on the system. For graphics, I give Skate or Die 5 out of 5. I mean, um, it may not be the, the most mind-blowing graphics on the system, but everything, there's a lot of attention to detail. There's a lot of great stuff in here. It just looks fantastic. Music, again, on that opening, it's 5 out of 5. It's one of the greatest uh, tunes ever written, in my opinion, on the Commodore 64. Definitely memorable. Definitely a classic. For sound effects, I give it four out of five. The sound effects are good. I would say they're better than average, but I, I mean, they're not the best that I ever heard on the system. Overall gameplay, I give Skate or Die five out of five. If you are interested, uh, I mean, if there's any part of you that wants to play computer games, Commodore games, skateboarding games, anything like that, this is definitely one that needs to be on your list. again for tuning in to Sprite Castle. If you want to play this week's game, head on over to SpriteCastle.com and click the downloads link at the top of the page where you can download Commodore 64 emulators and all the games that have been reviewed on this show. If you'd like to send me a game request, feedback about this or any other episode of Sprite Castle, you can email me at RobOHara at RobOHara.com Contact me on Twitter at Commodore Follow the show on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash SpriteCastle or leave me a voicemail on the Flat Podcast Hotline at 405-486-YDKF. 
Sprycastle is available from iTunes, Stitcher Radio, the Sprycastle.com RSS feed, and through throwbacknetwork.net, your home for quality retro podcasts. To hear more podcasts from me, check out You Don't Know Flat, Cactus Flax, Throwback Reviews, and Multiple Sadness. You can find links to all these shows at robohara.com forward slash podcasts. Many of the news articles and game details for Sprite Castle come from websites such as Commodore is Awesome, the Commodore Scene Database, Lemon64, and Moby Games. For links to these and more websites, check out the list of links on the right-hand side of SpriteCastle.com. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you here next time on Sprite Castle.